0: people who walk with God. Amen. Uh, It is important that that we don't just walk around him, that we do not just walk near him, but it is important that we would walk with him, walk with him. And so that is uh, what we have been studying. And very quickly, I will just remind you of the things that we have covered We talked from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 that we are, that we used to walk according to the course of this world, that the world has a course that has been set. It is a way that a lot of people are walking. And it is, the course of this world is set by the prince of the power of the air, the Bible lets us know. And so the enemy of our soul, the devil, influences the world and the and the world has a course and Paul said do not walk he said in the past you walked according to the course of this world he said but we're not going to walk that way because why because we have been we have been changed by the Lord and we are going to walk differently and so uh, we covered that in Ephesians chapter number two we also covered in Ephesians 2 and 10 um, we began to deal with, Paul said, uh, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. So we talked about that we should walk in a way that good works follow us. Um, good works should not be strange to people who are Christians. If you're a Christian, you ought to do good things. Whether you think people deserve it or not, you ought to do good things. Um, we don't get to pick and choose. There is a scripture, and I don't have it right now to pull it up, and, and I can't quote it to you verbatim, but there is a scripture, it, it's I believe it's in the book of Proverbs, that lets us know that we are to be ready at any time to respond to the need of others. And um, that is something that we as a church, I, I would I would pray that we would want to do. Matter of fact, that being said, there is a need that we can help respond to. There's a family uh, here in Jonesboro that attends one of our schools, and and uh, they just lost everything in a fire. And it's a family; they have five children, and um, it's going to be quite an ordeal getting all those kids back in clothes and different things. And I was made aware of it today, and so I would ask that uh, if if maybe you could help, these these kids are probably in the in the um, 7 to 12 range. Uh, if you can help, we've got sizes for them. You can get with me or you can get with Sister Tracy, and she could help you uh, know what we could do there as well. Why do we do that? Because God has before ordained that we should do those things. God God intended it that way. God expects that His people would be a people who would walk in good works. So we covered that. In Ephesians 4 and 1... Um, we dealt with this. Paul said, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And we dealt with that last Wednesday night. That um, we are to walk in a way that we are worthy of the call of God on our lives. We don't want to do anything that would negate God being able to work through us as his people. And so we walk worthy. We're We're careful. Um, we pay attention, we guard ourselves. We guard ourselves. There are, there are, there's a reason that God wants us to have um, uh, boundaries in our lives around us. Why? Is that to keep, is that to keep uh, the world from getting too close to us? No, it, it, it's really to keep us from trying to become like the world. And God says, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep you from becoming like the world. Instead, I want you to become like me. And when you put boundaries up in your life, it, it, it creates a system whereby not everything can come through. In order for that to come through the boundary, you have to allow it through the boundary. Okay? And so we need to be careful that we put boundaries up. There's nothing wrong with, with boundaries. And I actually have a message I'm going to preach about that here in, a, in probably a couple of weeks. But uh, we want to walk worthy. want to walk worthy. And in that, and I that was the one that I really keyed in on last Wednesday night, we talked about Saul, how Saul was called specifically by God. The Lord chose Saul. Uh, the Lord said, this is the one that I'm going to set up as king of Israel. He was... He was very humble initially, um, but somewhere along the line to Saul, his calling became more important to him than his obedience to God's word did. I'm going to just tell you, in my 34 years, I've never heard anybody teach on that, but the Lord really hit me very strong with that the other night, that we need to be very careful that that we don't elevate the call of God above the word of God. Just to prove the point, the Lord said in the book of Psalms, or the psalmist said to the Lord in the book of Psalms, he said, thy word, Brother George Glass Sr. preached this message years ago. It became a famous message. Thy word hast thou magnified above all thy name. How many know that the name of Jesus is a powerful name? Does the Bible not say that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father? Does it say that? Things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. Um, The name of Jesus is whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. So uh, the name of God is such a very powerful thing. But the Bible said that thy word has thou magnified above all thy name. And so we, gotta, we have to be careful. I am going to tell you right now uh, that there is nothing because here's the thing, if you obey the word, you get the name. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he's, watch, watch this. Men and brethren, what shall we do? On the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches. And they say, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. He gave them the word. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the name was revealed to them through the word. So when they obeyed the word, they got the name. Okay? Okay. So when we are in obedience to the Word of God, everything else works out. But there, are, there have been people who have made shipwreck because they elevated the call of God on their life above their obedience to the Word of God. And I have, I have known of preachers who they were more interested in, in them being a preacher than they were in them being obedient to God's Word for their life. Okay? Okay? So we have to be careful. That's not just for preachers. That's for all of us. We have to be careful. Whatever the call of God on our life is, don't elevate your call above obedience to God's word. And if we would all do that, we'd all be safe. We'd all be safe. Um, And so we dealt with that um, last time. Don't let it become a stumbling block to you. Don't let it become a stumbling block to you. And so tonight... uh, We are going to go to Ephesians 4 and verse number 17. Ephesians 4 and 17. Paul is talking here. He says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. He said, do not walk anymore as other Gentiles walk. Here is what he is saying. Let me put it into two words that we can all understand tonight. Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, do not walk as somebody... ...who is devoid of the truth. Okay? Paul says, you know the truth. So don't walk as if you are somebody who doesn't know the truth. Alright? Okay. Let's, let's begin to deal with that and break that down. We have to understand that with truth comes responsibility... With truth comes responsibility. When God reveals things to you, God does not just reveal things to you to be revealing them. God reveals things to you and I in order that we would, that we would take a responsibility for those things that have been revealed. And God will never reveal something to you that you are not capable of taking responsibility for. But if God reveals it, you're responsible. You're responsible. I preached a message. It reminds me of a message I preached one time. I preached a message one time, and um, I titled it, Jesus I'll Never Forget. Jesus I'll... Does does anybody remember that message at all? Got one, two, three. Praise the Lord. Did, Did Okay. I'm just glad. I'm, the rest of you, I'm just. I'm. I've, I'm taking notes for later. You know, <laughs> Jesus, I'll never forget. And here, here is what I preached in that sermon. Um, and maybe you'll remember what I preached if you don't remember the title of it. That would be better, anyway, wouldn't it? Um, in that message, I, I dealt with some scriptures where. Bible knowledge is is different than the way we look at knowledge today. Okay, to us, knowledge is accumulation of facts. Okay, accumulation of facts is that a fair description of knowledge to us? The accumulation of facts and and things of knowing things, but to the in the Bible, knowledge is very different. Knowledge is not just the accumulation of facts. It is it is acting on. The, it is acting on the information that you have been given. So if there, in order to show that, that there is knowledge in your life, according to the Bible, you have to walk in obedience to what you have been given. And so I preach, Jesus, I'll never forget. To say, Lord, I'm going to prove to you I'll never forget the things that you have allowed me to know. And the way that I will do that is by living them out in my life okay Jesus I'll never forget, and so uh responsibility comes with knowledge, God is expecting some things of us i It is a very shallow form of Christianity that would think that that we serve a God who doesn't who doesn't want us to do better uh-huh. right. Right. Yeah. How many here have kids okay do you? Don't you want your kids to do well? Sure you do. You want to see your kids succeed. You want to see them, uh, to see them be stable. You want to know that their needs are met. Uh, not everybody's going to become a millionaire, and we understand that, but we want our children's needs to be met and them not to have want in their life as they grow older. And so everything we are doing... Uh, some of you, your kids are out of the house and maybe they have their own kids or their own grandkids even. I've got two that are still in my house and my prayer is that I'm raising them in such a way that one of these days they'll be able to strike out on their own and make it. Amen. They'll make it. And um, the Lord, the, and the Lord's all, and I'm always going to be with them. I'm always going to be Dad. They can they can run, but they can't hide. I will find them, and and they're gonna have, they're gonna become more uh, responsible for more and more things as time goes on. Um, that's part of it. The Lord looks at us the same way. God says, "You you come to me, and you start out off in a in a childlike state." But over time, I am attempting to grow you in such a way that you will, you will be, be able to operate. At, that's when we begin to operate in our gifts and callings. That's when we begin to be involved in ministry in different ways. It is because we are growing in God, and we get to places where the Lord begins to release us to do some things. He's always with us. He's always with us. But I'm gonna, I'll be honest with you tonight to tell you that the, my walk with God, and I, and please don't misunderstand this, and if you haven't been doing this very long, just stay with me for a few minutes. But maybe some of you older folks can, can maybe uh, provide a little support to what I'm about to say. My walk with God today is very different than it was 25 years ago. It's very different than it was. And I expect in thirty years it'll be very different. Thirty years from now than it is today. This is this is how I feel about it. I feel like as time goes on, and I the longer that I walk with God, and the more I know of Him, and the more I walk in what I know of Him, then the more uh, God allows me to, to to walk through some things. It, there were days I used to feel like He was like He had His hand on my back in my hand and he was just doing this. You gonna come on let's get through here, right? And and now there are some times where I where I feel like God is saying, You've got this. I'm here. If you if you fall, I'm here to catch you. But I'm gonna let you do this on your own a little bit. That makes sense? Yes. Okay. And so we begin to to walk. It's good to see, I don't want to embarrass him, but good to see my friend Obi Staggs walk in tonight from hot springs. So we begin to walk with God, and and God intends for us to grow in such a way that we're not always grasping, grasping, grasping at his hand as if we might fall. Are there times that I need that? Yes. Yes. And I'm thankful for the promise that he is always with us. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. So so those things give me confidence, but God is trying to allow me to grow. So when Paul tells the church at Ephesus here in in uh Ephesians chapter four, verse seventeen, he you know this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He is telling them don't don't walk anymore as somebody that doesn't know what the truth is, you know the truth, and so there is a challenge that goes out to all of us that everybody here needs to to get a hold of tonight. And you need to, to grab this, and you need to take this admonition. Don't walk like you don't know what the truth is if you know what the truth is. In other words, Paul is saying, grow up. Grow up a little bit. And, and be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. Knowledge of God that is acted upon always produces results. The knowledge of God that he has given to us that we act upon, it will always, always produce results. It can't can't do otherwise. Because it's not you that's on trial, it's God's word that's on trial. And God said that he will not allow one word of his to fall to the ground not one. He said, everything that I have said, it will come to pass. It will be fulfilled. It will happen. So uh, when we walk in obedience to the word of God, the truth that we know that God has given to us, we can always expect for there to be results from that. Now, I know I have said this before, but I want to remind you of this again. Something my dad has ha, i 've heard him say several times through the years, and i have uh, even in in private settings where i 've heard him say this to people when he would tell them look they they somebody'd come to him and they'd say i 'm struggling so bad, it is so hard right now, I just find it hard to live for god and 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 everything seems to be uh, coming against me and and every time I try to Make a decision that is right. It seems like I just get hit so hard. Anybody ever felt that way? And I've heard dad say, if you will do this, take six months. And you live for God according to everything that you know. You live for God. And as you learn, you continue to incorporate those things. You live for God completely for six months. And at the end of six months, you come back to me. And you tell me, if your life is not better, if things are not are not uh, if there are situations that have not turned i 'm not telling you everything's going to magically become roses but but you will have peace that you did not have right now, you will have strength that you did not have right now, if you will just do that, walk according to what you know. why is that it 's because when we walk according to the truth of the Word of God it always produces results. It is impossible for it not to. And I would tell you tonight, if you're here and there's an area that you've struggled in, um, there's something that, that you're having a difficult time with, submit it to God. Submit it to God. Walk completely in what you know to be the truth and watch God begin to work some things out. Can you say amen? So if... Knowledge acted upon produces results. Here's the, here's the opposite of that. And, and this is another truth. Knowledge ignored produces disaster. Knowledge ignored produces disaster. If we know, To whom much is given, much is required. If we know how we ought to be, but we're not as we ought to be, we're in for some disastrous things. Let me give you a good example of this. Um, was it '05 that Hurricane Katrina came through? Was that '05? 2005. Um, all the storm warnings began to go off, and they began to say, "We've got a we've got a category whatever it is hurricane that's about to be coming in, and we're expecting this thing to be uh, to to reach mammoth uh, proportions." Um, it's going to be unlike anything any of you have ever seen in your lifetimes, and the levees that we have—they're—they're they're not up to par. And we are—they th- were telling this. We expect for this storm to come inland for miles, and it's going to be utter devastation. And we are—we uh, are evacuating everybody up to whatever point it was—the ninth ward, you know, all of those areas, those parishes down there. We want everybody in these areas evacuated, all right now, we all know that's what they are saying. It was all over the news it was it was all over any kind of uh form of of weather service. They were all telling them that, but not everybody was listening to them. Not everybody was listening to them for whatever reason. some people just. Some people just doubted whether it would really happen or not. Well, I don't think that's possible. I, you know, I live a mile in. There's no way this water's coming up here. and, and Or, uh, oh, they're just blowing that out of proportion. They're just being extremists uh, right now. And whatever the case may be, I'm not, I've always lived here. I've never left here. I'm not going to leave here. Well, they left there when the water got up and how many videos did we see of rescues taking place people on top of houses uh helicopters going by looking for people and and people be up there waving at them and have a bed sheet with with save us written on it or something and and holding that up and we saw all over the world those images went viral and it was it wasn't just one or two it wasn't just three or four wasn't just 10 or 20. It was hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of people who refused to leave. And this is what was. They had the knowledge of what was going to happen. They had, they had all the knowledge of what they needed to do to escape that storm, but they refused to act upon the knowledge that had been given to them, and it produced disaster in their lives. It was utter disaster. And I am telling you that when God has told us some things and God has given us truth, everybody say truth. When God has given us truth and He has said, if you will do this, if you will be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock, and what did the Bible say? He heard my, he heard. The words, and he obeyed, he's like the one who hears my words and obeys them. Right. The man who builds his house on the rock is as the man, uh, he, he's going to be like someone who hears what I'm saying and obeys what I'm saying. He said, but those that hear what I'm saying and they don't obey it, they're like the ones who built their house upon the sand. And the rain came, and the wind blew, and and the storm uh, hit and it was the same rain. It was the same wind. It was the same storm, but one house stood and the other house didn't. One house was saved and the other house was a disaster. What was the difference? The only difference is obedience to the word of God. That is the that is the uh, that that is the differentiating factor is obedience to the Word of God. That's why I tell, I'm telling you as a church, let's not try to be a people who, 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 who live on the edge of the Word of God, or we try to get as close as we can to not obeying the Word of God, but still obeying the Word of God. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever had your kids, uh, your kids playing together? We were driving down the road the other day in, in the truck. Asher's on one side, Nora's on the other side. Nora has a, a doll or something that she has set down in the seat between them. And Asher reaches down and, and just hits it or something for no reason. I mean, because that's what a boy does. <laughs> you know, just no no good reason for it. Just felt I needed to do that. Knowing it was going to cause a reaction, you know, and... And so I'm driving. I said, both of y'all, knock it off right now. It is amazing how many things you say that your parents used to say when you become a parent. My goodness. Don't make me come back there. <laughs> you know Everything, every cliche, I mean, all of it. It just, it, it just, whew, it's in my DNA now. And so I said, said, Asher, you quit touching her doll, and Nora, you quit whining about everything. (laughs) Okay? So (laughs) I'd hoped I'd fixed it. (laughs) We drive down the road just a couple more miles, and I hear Nora start getting upset again. And I said, Asher, I said, I told you not to touch that doll. He said, I'm not touching it, Dad right? So here's what he was doing. We're driving down the road. Nora's over there. He's over here. That doll of hers in the middle. And he's just going and putting it, hitting his hand right beside it. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I didn't, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. He still got in trouble. Now, we laugh about it. But there's a lot of people who are supposed to be living for God who do that. The truth said this. And we say, I know the truth said this. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm just going to get as close as I can. I'm going to just get as close as I can. Close as I can. Don't, we, don't, we don't play those games. We don't play those games. Why? Because we don't walk as somebody who is devoid of the truth. We know what the Word of God has to say. And Paul told the church at Ephesus, he's telling them, come on, let's do this thing right. You're not like those Gentiles who don't know the truth anymore. At one time you were, and I would have expected you to walk... As one who didn't have the truth. But now, you have it. So I'm telling you to walk as those who have the truth. So we need to be careful that we would do that. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 5, chapter, or chapter 5, verse number 2. I too let's back up to verse 1 first. Ephesians 5 and 1, and we'll read verse 2 as well. Be ye therefore followers of God... As dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You can just leave that verse up there for just a few minutes. Paul says, Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, I want to tell you something. Love smells good. Love smells good. Now, I don't... And, and I don't think this church would do this, but but I'm going to put my disclaimer out there anyway. I am not talking tonight about us... Um, getting an error because we're trying, we're trying so hard to love people that it causes us to go into doctrinal error. That's not what this is about. That's not what the Apostle Paul is telling this church. That's not, that, that, that has not Doctrinal purity and doctrinal strength uh, for every church has to be something that is guarded fiercely and, and passionately and consistently, okay? We have to guard what is true. We, we just dealt with this. Walk in the truth. Okay? That being said, we need to walk in love as well. We need to walk in love. So I'm, I'm putting my disclaimer out there so nobody says, well, he's, he's going off the deep end with this love stuff. No, I'm not. This is what we need. Walk in love. Love always has been and it always will be the determining factor in the potency, the strength of your Christianity. You can tell the strength of somebody's Christianity by their ability to love other people. Every time. Every single time. And if we can't love everybody, and and there are differences... There are differences. In this church, there's going to be differences. There's going to be all kinds of differences. You know, somebody does it this way, you do it that way. Somebody thinks this way about it, uh, someone else thinks that way about it. There's always going to be differences. You'd better be careful that you don't forget that love is the thing that keeps us all together. Love. It i 'm um, not i'm i'm not a cook by any means um, so i i don 't even know a good recipe to give you for an illustration right now of what i 'm about to say but I know what i 'm about to say is true and some some of y'all may can help me but when you 're baking something or you 're cooking something um, sometimes there's ingredients that you put in there, and that ingredient what, it may give it flavor or something, but it also has the ability to cause the, other, the, the whole thing to, to stay together. Have you ever been cooking something and, and it keep falling apart, crumbling or something, falling apart? And you needed something in that to keep it together? Does that make sense? Okay. You need something that holds it all together? We can have all the right ingredients of what it takes to be a good church. We can, have, we can have the right doctrine. We can have the right, the right standards. We can have the right music. We can have the right programs. We can have the right whatever it is. You just w- put all the ingredients together. But if we do not have love, all those things stand on their own. We need something that takes all of that and brings it together and holds us together. One of the things that I love about this church is that i can't tell you how many people have have told me uh, this has got to be one of the friendliest churches and loving churches i 've ever been in if i've heard that once i've heard it i've heard it fifty times and thank you for that. Thank you for that um, i you know I know that that We've got to get into a, in a bigger place, and I understand. I'm going to miss this, though. I can't help but think maybe these close quarters have something to do with that. You know, because you're not a... If, if if someone's way across the other side of the church, and, and that's where their seat is, and your seat's over here, and, and you never get around to, to talking to them, um, I'm going to miss the, the closeness that we have here. It was real close here Sunday, wasn't it? My goodness. Um, so, so I, I am, I have, and I have prayed this. Lord, as this church is growing and as we have to do whatever we have to do, if it's, if it's going to two services, if it's going to another building, whatever we're going to do here, Lord, please help us maintain the the brotherly love that I feel in this place. We're very blessed, and I hope we don't ever forget that. And so we fight for that because that is the thing that holds this whole thing together. So let, let me deal with this love issue for just a moment. We are to walk in love. We're to walk in love. Watch this. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. So Paul is saying the the um, the benchmark for the love that I need you to walk in. If we can go back to that verse for, for just a moment. I don't... I don't even remember, I guess I got my notes right here, I could tell you, couldn't I? 5-2, Ephesians 5 and 2. The benchmark for the love that we are to walk in is the love Christ had toward us, and that is that he gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Wow. So I'm supposed to love you to the point that I'd give myself for you. Okay, well we don't really live in such a time right now. We're probably headed there one of these days. But right now, we're not living in a time probably when somebody's gonna come in here and yank somebody out and say, You're coming with me, and and you want to prove this scripture, so you jump up and say, Leave them and take me. Well, that'd be great, you know. Especially if it's me they came for. <laughs> If you, if you want to get with me, I'll get you a list of some good people to. Get. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Well, that would that proves that on a on a um, very physical level. But how about we give ourselves for somebody when we know we've got somebody here going through something. And, and maybe somebody's not understanding everything. Going, and, and maybe they're not even doing all right. But somebody says, you know what? That's my brother. That's my sister in the Lord. And I'm going to protect them. I'm going to cover them. I'm going to love them. Why? Because I've got to love them like God loved me. And he loved me when I wasn't anything worth loving. Amen. Now, we're doing real good right now. He loved me when I wasn't worth loving. And he loved me even knowing that I made some major mistakes. And I let him down a lot, but he still loved me. And I want to love people who come into this place the same way. Not everybody who attends this church makes all the right decisions. Not everybody who attends this church does everything the way I would prefer that they do it. But I'm going to love them. And I'll just go ahead and tell you right now. As pastor of this church, if there's one thing that would probably get, get my hackles up, it'd be somebody trying to tear somebody down who we're trying to see saved in this church. Yes, We've got to love. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Is that what the Bible said? Now, if you would uh, give me... And it's several verses here. 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to read that whole chapter. It's only 13 verses, so don't get too scared. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. You all all right? We doing okay tonight? Good. Again, the Apostle Paul speaking. And you have to understand that the word charity means love, okay? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I have not love, I'm nothing. I'm telling y'all, this is a big deal. Because this, this, is the, this is the one thing. If we don't get this right, Paul said it negates everything else. Now let that weigh on you a little bit. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vauneth not itself. It is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. But rejoiceth in the truth. It bears all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all I thought as a child but when I became a man I put away childish things for now we see through a gl- glass darkly but then face to face now I know in part but then I shall know even as also I am known and watch this verse 13 and now abideth faith hope and charity faith hope and love but the gr- these three but the greatest of these is Love. Now watch this. We need faith. You can't be saved without faith. You cannot be saved without faith. We need hope. And we need love. But the apostle under the unction of the Holy Ghost writes and tells us, but even greater than your hope, and even greater than your faith is your ability to love. Wow. Wow. Now that is powerful. You being able to love other people is of more importance than these others, it's greater. That's not my words. That's what Paul had to say. If you would uh, put 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3 up there. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3. And when that's over, I'm going to go to 1 Peter 4 and 8. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all Toward each other aboundeth. Paul said, And above all things have fervent charity, have fervent love among yourselves, for charity, uh, Peter said this, excuse me, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. For, let's go back to the first Thessalonians. Uh, he said, Now we are, we are, we have great joy, and uh, it, it's abounding. First Thessalonians, uh, one and three. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it's me, as, as it is. This is a good thing to do because that your faith growth exceedingly in the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Paul said, it makes me want to thank God when I get a report that you all have love one toward another and that it is abounding. He said, it makes, I just, he said, I have to stop, and I've just got to give God praise and thank the Lord when I hear that there's a group of people who love one another and they're walking in the kind of love that the Lord showed toward us. He said, I thank God for that. He said, that makes me want to have a shout down when I find out that the church is loving one another. You know why that is? It's because. It's because it's not natural for people to get along. That's right. Well, it is not natural for a bunch of people to get along. You get one or two to get along, that's, yeah. That's why you have best friends, right? And I've got some best friends and, 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 and probably my closest friend in the whole world. One of the things that makes us like that is because we pretty much see eye to eye on everything. We don't we don't get crossways with one another. You know, we we see it the same way. I always love it when people get saved and see it the same way as me. <laughs> oh my. And That's best friend. And then I've got some friends. I've got some good friends. And I like to be around them for periods of time. (laughs) Oh, we're doing real good right now. I feel my health. I've got good friends. And I like to be around them for a certain amount of time. And then I don't want to be around them no more. Because we start disagreeing. It's just not natural for people to agree. And, and to always show love one toward another. And Paul is letting them know this is a big thing. The fact that your love toward one another aboundeth. He said it makes me want to thank God when I hear, get a report like that. I'm telling this church, let this church have a reputation that it loves one another. Oh, let it be the reputation of this church. We love one another in this church. And I'm just going to tell you, people mess up. People make mistakes. It's gonna. Ha- it's always. Ha- it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna continue to happen, and and people are gonna walk in the door. Sometimes they're gonna come in. They're gonna do right for a while, and they may walk out and be gone for a while. And when they come back in, they may do right for a while and then be gone for a while. And that cycle may repeat and repeat and repeat for a period of time, and I've seen people get frustrated with folks like that, and it can be frustrating, but we've got to allow love. This is where First Peter 4 and 8 comes into play, because Peter said, for love covers a multitude. Mm-hmm. Love covereth a multitude, the multitude of sins. Love helps me, because I Because the Lord's going to be the one that has to deal with all their stuff. So me loving them allows me to look past some of the things they're dealing with and just say, I want to reach for the soul of the person. I'll let God work all that other stuff out. Wayne Huntley preached a message years ago. He entitled it, Save Them All. you got to hear Brother Huntley Save Them All and let God sort them out. Save them all. That's what he's saying. Love them all. Let God fix them. It's the wheat. It's the tares. Growing up together. And guess what? That's not just about individual people in our life. That's not just saying this person's wheat, this person's tares. In in the same person, you can have wheat and tares. And some people look, are we doing all right tonight? Some people look at that and say, that's hypocrisy. Well, it is. It is. And you've been a hypocrite before. That'd be a real good place for us to all together say amen. All right. No one wants to be the only one to say amen on that. Pastor says, you've been a hypocrite. Amen. Amen. Yes, I have. But we have. I have and you have. We have been hypocrites because wheat and tares are going to grow even in the same vessel. It's going to be in the same vessel. And so sometimes you're going to see things in people that's going to frustrate you because, because you're going to look at them and you're going to say, you're going to say but I thought, I thought you were producing wheat. Why do I see a tear coming up in your life? It's because the enemy is never going to quit trying to sow tears in the lives of people. Until the Lord comes back for his church, the enemy's going to be doing everything he can to destroy this thing. And so do tears come up? Sure they do. They come up in your life. They come up in mine. That's why we all make it a point. And I had somebody ask me a question the other day. Another pastor said uh, he's taken a pastorate of a church. He said in this church altar calls have been optional. You know, responding to the word of God, that's been optional. He said, I'm trying to change that. What do you do? And I said, I'll tell you what I tell our young ministers in our church. You've heard me say this. And, and uh, I tell our young ministers in our church, I said, when you preach uh, and on Sundays, you, you know this is how I operate. When you preach and you know that God's given you a word, I said, you don't ask for a response, you demand a response. You demand a response. I don't want it to be in this church that we ask for it so it becomes that I only come respond to the word that was preached um, if I'm super, super, super convicted about it. Because then what happens is we only respond whenever we get hit on the head. And then people do start looking at and say, oh, I know what their issue is. That's why we don't do that. We respond to the word of God every time it's preached. And, and, and we make it a point to continually come to the altar. W- what, what does that accomplish? I'm telling you what that accomplishes. It keeps us tender before the Lord, for one thing. And it allows God to work on us at times when we thought He wouldn't have worked on us, for another thing. But it also helps me when I've got tears coming up in my life that I don't even see them coming up. It gives opportunity for God to deal with the tears in my life. And so we need to respond to the altar. And so you're going to see people, it's going to frustrate you. You've got to be, you have to learn, let God deal with that stuff. And He will. He will. Let God deal with that. You just love the person. And I, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, God, help this church to always be a church that loves one another. Loves one another because love will cover the multitude of sins. It covers the multitude of sins. I'm going to end this series tonight. I've been teaching. I've got two more, and I'm I'm going to give you a one-minute synopsis of each. Y'all think I can do this? <laughs> no. All I needed was one word of faith, Sister Linda. <laughs> oh, my... I'm gonna do it, y'all. Watch <laughs> Ephesians five and eight, but you can't start counting a minute until the scr- the scripture's on the screen. <laughs> Ephesians five and eight. <laughs> <laughs> For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk, everybody say walk. Walk, walk as children of light. Paul tells them, you need to walk as somebody who sees the way clearly. Don't return to places of prior darkness and confusion in your life. You have a light that's been illuminated in your life. Allow that light to shine. Follow it. Walk after it. Don't go back to the darkness. Walk as children of light. That's the first one, okay? I think I got a few seconds extra I can put on this last one. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. I've taught on this several times. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Verse 17 Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He said, walk circumspectly, being careful, paying attention to every that's what that word circumspect means. Paying attention to everything that is around. Don't get caught not paying attention. This isn't this isn't a game we're we're in. This is life or death. Walk circumspectly. Don't be a fool, but be wise. Be aware of the time. Know what time it is. Folks, we're getting close to the coming of the Lord. I know we've heard it for years, but I'm going to keep telling it to you. We are, we are so close to the coming of the Lord. And I want you to know the signs of the times are all around us. Be aware of the time. Recognize that the days are evil. So we can't just get caught up in the, in the wave of everything that's pushing right now. We have to recognize, hey, there's some evil things happening right now. Don't let me get caught up in this tsunami of evil that is just everybody's gotten on board with and it's become the norm. This is not normal. It's not normal. We've got to be aware of the time, recognize the days are evil. Don't be unwise, he said, but discern the will of God. Understand what the Lord's will is. The wise will look to the Lord and they will seek to understand what is the will of God. These days that I am in, they do not lend themselves to me just haphazardly walking with God. But I've got to walk with God in such a way that I am seeking after His will. That I am pursuing His will for my life. And in this church as a whole, we have to walk with God in such a way that we are seeking the will of God for this church. Oh Lord, don't let us become as foolish people who are not understanding of what your will is for us in this day, in this time, with all the things that are going on around us. But God, let this be a group of people who have wisdom. And we follow after you. And we walk in your will, God. We walk in your will, Lord. So that in these evil days, there can be a strong church. How many, if the Lord should tarry his coming for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, how many of you want your kids, your grandkids to grow up in a strong church? How many of you want your kids or grandkids to grow up in a church that didn't get swept away in the culture of our time? I want to be able to look back and say, thank God for sanctuary. It was a sanctuary in an evil day. But there was a sanctuary church that stood strong and they sought after the will of God and they walked circumspectly, walking with God. God. All of those that we've covered over the last few nights, six, seven, seven things that Paul said, how we are to walk with God from the book of Ephesians. Seven things. Let's be careful. Let's be careful that we pay attention to this walk with God. It's so important. It's so important. It's so important. Remember that. Let me walk with you, Jesus.